Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast. We'd like to thank you for taking a few moments out of your day to listen to what God is doing here in Reynoldsburg, Ohio. We hope today's message will be encouraging and uplifting to you. To learn more about Simple Church, maybe you'd like to be our guest for a service, please visit our website at www.simplechurchohio.com. There you'll find more information about us, location, service times, and even online giving opportunities. And now, here's today's message. I love Simple Church. We've got a mix of people here. It's wonderful. Well, good morning, everybody. My name's Aaron. I'm the lead pastor here, and uh, we are in the middle of a series called Aha! That's Aha, actually. And uh, and so uh, this is week three, and we're going to talk about a sudden awakening this week. Uh, before we do, I want to take just a moment to be kind of a, a pastor and, and uh, not to avoid what is happening in our community right now here in Reynoldsburg. Uh, if you live in Reynoldsburg or if you don't, it's been all over the news, and so I, I feel like um, it's unavoidable that, that we're all talking about it and that you, it's potential that you need me to weigh in on it. So this morning I am going to weigh in on the uh, te- teacher strike and uh, uh, you finally get to hear which side you need to be on. I'm convinced. <laughs> oh, right. Uh, and it uh, may surprise you which side I say and which side I weigh in on, um, but I'm going to tell you which side you need to weigh in on. You ready? The kid's side. You need to weigh in on the kid's side. And here's why. Um, this, unless you are a teacher and you got a dog in that fight, or you are the board and you got a dog in that fight, that is between them and what's going on is, is uh, you know, for me to even say what's going on between them and what's right and what's wrong would be, all be speculation. I've not seeing the, the contracts. I'm certain, certainly have my own personal opinions on where things should be and classroom sizes and things like that, and we all have those things as well. So I can't weigh in on either side and say that I'm for either side. But I am for the kids. And so what happened on Friday is the teachers went on strike and all of our kids still went to school. And they went to school and there was a bunch of substitute teachers. Now, uh, one of the principal at one of the schools called us, called upon Simple Church, and we went with a team, which I want to say publicly thank you. We went and uh, we were able to help them rearrange some classrooms. But even the classroom sizes and what we wound up doing was unimaginable to me. And, and um I met some of the substitute teachers, and I heard the, the things that they had put into place, and, and my heart was breaking for my children as I was moving forward. I understand it's a necessary evil, and, and my heart was breaking for the administration, right? The administration who is not union, who is going to stay there because school has to go forward, right? Reynoldsburg has to provide education. Whether it's quality education or not, is, or that remains to be seen, but they still have to provide an environment that is safe and, and an education opportunity for the kids, and so... They're doing the best that they can. And so the administration who is left behind is scrambling to do what their superintendents and board is telling them to do because they have jobs too, right? And they're not the ones, they're not unions, so they're not going on strike. And they're behind picking up the pieces. And so we had a wonderful opportunity to go and serve. And so we did. We went and helped organize and prepare classrooms so that the administration could attend to other things. What did we do? We moved desks around. You know, there's, there's uh, classrooms that we moved. We moved tons and tons of desks and chairs from one classroom to the next. And we set it up and allowed the administration to attend to things that needed to be done because it was overwhelming. And I had the wonderful opportunity to pray with the principal in the hallway before we left and to encourage and let other teachers and and administration know that we were praying for them. And so when I say we need to be on the kids' side, the kids went to school on Friday and they had um, not a pleasant experience. And that was happening across the schools. There are lots of rumors about what happened. There's speculation. You know, of course, we want to trump up that there was a fight at the high school. But 
Really, the fights happen at all the high schools, probably. We never hear about them, but it happened on the day of the strike. And so it seems worse, but it, it, it really was pretty, pretty difficult for the kids who are without teachers, teachers that they know and love. They're confused. They don't understand the politics of, of paychecks and all these things. And so when I say be on the sides of the kids, be on the side of the kids. Be also on the side of the community. Because those teachers who are now on strike have no benefits and there's no paycheck. And so here's my call to arms for you, for those of you that are sitting here today. There are going to be many opportunities if this strike lasts for a long time for you to serve those that are, that are, suffer, that are suffering financially. Think about this. If their benefits are gone, if they are the person in the house that provides the benefits for their entire family, there may be children and other family members that need medications to, to maintain their health, or maybe there's somebody in the hospital now. And so you, at being out in the middle of the community, are going to hear of these opportunities. My call is for you to set aside your agenda or your opinion on whether it's the school board or the teachers, and to get involved and to serve and to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Amen? You think I think we can do that? And if there is resources that you need or you hear that are needed and you don't know where to get them, please reach out to me and connect to me. Because if we want to make Jesus famous, I know one of the ways to do it, one of the ways Jesus was famous was he met people's needs. He healed the blind. He, he raised the dead. He healed the lame. These were all needs, basic needs to see, to walk. And then, you know, there's that whole living thing, you know. But we have the ability to do that in a practical way if we will keep our hearts and our eyes open for those opportunities. So I have two requests. To pray for our community. To pray that there is an equitable and acceptable uh, resolution to this whole thing. And a fair resolution to the whole thing for the teachers and for the board. Because I'm not weighing in on either side of that right now. And pray for their hearts that they are willing to come to the table. To make compromises where they can. On both sides. Can you do that? Can you pray? If you've never fasted before, maybe it's time to fast. This, if this continues, this will rip our community apart. And we as the church have an opportunity. Because first, I believe that prayer changes things. And I believe that if we gather together as a body of believers and, and, and pray here today, which we will, and then we go to our individual homes and we continue to pray, without an agenda, that Jesus would be Lord in this situation. That he would be honored in all that happens and occurs. That the atmosphere of this community can shift. Hearts, political agendas can go to the side. So we can do that and we can be a part of that, okay? So that's my encouragement to you today. The, the second thing is, is for you to pray that God open your eyes to see opportunities in this community. Because sometimes they're right in front of us and we don't see them. And time and time again, when I'm reading in the Bible, I see when Jesus met an opportunity, it starts off this way. And Jesus saw. Jesus saw the blind man. Jesus saw the lame man. Jesus saw a mother who was weeping at the loss of her son. Jesus saw, and it starts with seeing. So would you be willing to not only pray for our community, but would you pray that God will help you see those opportunities? And together we can, we can work to make Jesus famous. So let's pray for them now, and then uh, we'll continue on with the message today. Father, I, I thank you for uh, these people that are gathered here today, and I thank you for the opportunity to be a light in darkness. Uh, This is a dark time for our community. It is dark for our children, dark for the people that are are, are suffering, those those that need medical health and benefits and are not getting them right now. It is a dark time. There are a lot of unanswered questions. And Lord, what we need most is peace. 
We need peace. We need resolution. And so, Father, I pray for the hearts of the school board, hearts of the teachers, Lord, that, that they would come, that, that you would soften their hearts and, and make them willing to come together for peaceful resolution. Jesus, I pray that you would be Lord of this situation, that we could honor you in the way that we handle our affairs, that, Lord, emotions run high in a strike, and, and that's to be understood and expected, but I pray for a peaceful strike. I'm not against them them saying, we won't take this anymore. But I pray that there is peace. I pray that there are no more injuries. I pray, God, that they, they can voice their opinions in a peaceful way without, without bringing turbulence and questions and confusion to our children and to our community. God, I just, I just pray that you would be over this whole situation. And give us, your people, an opportunity to see Open up our eyes to see those that are hurting through this, no matter which side of the fight or the argument that they are on. Jesus, I believe you wouldn't have had a dog in this fight. I believe that you would have just said, there is need and I'm going to meet it. And so I pray that as your church, we can have that right heart and we can do that. I ask, I ask this for the, for the benefit of our community and our children. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. So. Uh, as I said before, we are in the middle of this series. It's called Aha. Uh-huh. And this week we're going to talk about a sudden awakening. And, uh, and so let me ask you the question. Has anybody here ever been suddenly awakened? You were sleeping and something woke you up. Uh, a couple years ago, there's a show called Phineas and Ferb. Anybody know Phineas and Ferb? All right. So it's good to see that it's popular with the adults, right? It really is, actually. And you know what, how you know it's popular with the adults when the kids have left the room and you're still watching it? how you know it's a good show right and uh and so Phineas and Ferb they're they're trying to figure out a way to how to spend their summer days and in every episode they have the same elements they have this 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 situation they're going to do a project and inevitably as soon as they get started with a project there's a little girl named Isabella and she comes on the scene and what are the first words out of her mouth does anybody know what you doing and it's just like that every time I love it you can expect it it's a trusted consistent customer experience every time to appeal to my corporate friends out there. And so Isabella comes on the scene and I thought, you know what, that's what a text message is. A text message is always that interruption into what you're doing. Like, what you doing? You know, that, that's what the text message is. So I decided to grab that sound bite and I made it my text tone. So anytime I got a text message, what you doing? You know, I'd be in grocery stores and people would turn around looking for the little child. You know, it's like, <laughs> it, was, it was Isabella. And, uh, and so I, I loved it. Now, what happened, what happened was, I don't usually take my phone to bed with me at night. And uh, my wife at this time worked third shift, so it's, it's been a couple years, uh, well, at least a, a year or better since she worked third shift. And so I, I'd go to bed uh, by myself at night. The dog would be there. And I don't usually take my cell phone to bed with me, but th- on this particular night, for whatever reason, I went to bed and left it on the nightstand, forgot it was there, and I fell asleep. And it's pitch black in my room. Kids are in bed. And you can guess what happened. What you doing? <laughs> I sat straight up in my bed, grabbed the flashlight, and started looking around the room. And uh, that, was a, that, was a, that was a sudden awakening. It frightened me. It frightened me because I realized my cell phone was there. I don't even know that I was aware of what it was. But you know all those creepy movies? Like, you know, there's like a child in your... Yeah, okay, all right, so I don't need to... I don't need to <laughs> I just I just had visions of this. It was suddenly awoke me, right? So so I imagine you all have had these kind of sudden rude awakenings. 
Uh, Why don't you take 30 seconds, turn to your neighbor or somebody around you and say, this is what happened to me when I was suddenly awakened. Go ahead, take 30 seconds and do it now. How are you suddenly awakened? All right, what are we hearing out there? Sudden awakenings. What happened? Sudden awakening. What, how'd you wake up? What was it? A guana on your face. That's a sudden awakening. Coming over here. Anybody? Yeah. Child puking beside the bed. That's horrible. That's a sudden awakening. That's one that requires immediate action, isn't it? <laughs> oh, dear. Anybody else? Anybody else? All right, well, here's what I've done. Uh, so I was thinking about this today, and I thought, you know, sudden awakenings are never really fun. They're often unpleasant, and um, I, I love Google. Google is so much fun because I thought, you know, it would be really funny if I could show some videos of some sudden awakenings, and Google did not disappoint. So for your viewing pleasure, here are some sudden awakenings. Don't or support any of those sudden awakenings. Although I have been the perpetrator of some and the recipient of others. Anybody ever had that water poured on your head before? Yeah, that's a lot of fun. A lot of fun. So sudden awakenings are never really pleasant, are they? No matter whether it's like this or it's just like a you, you wake up because you've overslept past your alarm clock and you look at your alarm clock and it's like oh, and you know you, you look like you look like Scooby Doo and 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 like this, you know, you're not. What's that? Scooby and Shaggy. Yeah, your feet are going and everything, and you're just not moving, you know? It's that panic moment. Now, others of you, uh, there's, there's, uh, anybody here ever slept like 12 hours before? Oh, yeah. You hit that hard, right? Is it really difficult to wake up after 12 hours sleep? So difficult. It's so hard. And so, so bringing this back, I know that was a lot of fun, but bringing it back to, to what we're talking about with this, this all, this whole aha thing, I, I would say that, that, um, the longer you've been asleep, but the more difficult it is to wake up, right? And I think that's one of, the, one of those truths of aha. If you've spent any time in the distant country, like last week we talked about, what's the distant country? It's being away from the Father's house, right? Being outside of his blessing. It's living your life. This is a life of sin. We, we decided that sin just means missing the mark of what God has best for you, right? That's, that's when we're living in sin. We're, we're living contrary to his ways, contrary to his house. So when you wind up in the distant country, you know that it's, it's really difficult to wake up there. If you've ever lived on your own or lived in a way that was just for you, in a land that were, where you were king, it is hard to look at that and go, this is bad. Like, this is a bad situation. And it's difficult to wake up. It's, and I don't know what exactly it is. Maybe you've just been asleep for too long, or maybe you can't hear the alarms that are going off. Anybody ever had that? You just didn't hear your alarm, right? Or maybe you turned it off. When I was younger, uh, for me, alarms... Uh, <laughs> I didn't tell this first service. I don't know why I'm going to tell it now, but I, I used to have an issue waking up. I, I had, I'd hear the alarm clock and I'd smack it. I'd smack it 10 times. And you know those are nine-minute intervals, so do the math on how long I was oversleeping, right? An hour and a half. And I'd lost multiple jobs because of that, and I decided I'm not going to do that anymore. So I took the alarm clock from next to my bed and I moved it across the room because I figured, I figured if I could get up out of bed and walk across the room to turn off the alarm clock, that I would be awake enough to get up and get in the shower. No, that didn't work. I would walk over there, smack it, walk back to bed and lay down. That's what I do every day. Every day. Every day. And it wasn't until I got to a point where I realized that, that 
that I had to realize where I was. I had to wake up. I made a decision I needed to wake up that I cracked open the case of that alarm clock and I removed the snooze button. <laughs> and then I took said snooze button on the highway and threw it out the window. I needed like that defining moment. Guess what? I didn't hit the snooze button anymore. There wasn't a snooze button. And I could, I figured, I learned, this is what's crazy, I learned that I could stick my finger down in the hole that used to be the snooze button and risk electrical shock to hit the little black button that was there. I didn't do that very often. <laughs> it's a true story, Will. This is my life. Welcome to it. So, so I don't know, maybe, maybe it's for you. you, you you're you not hearing the alarm, but you, you realize you need to hear that alarm, right? Or maybe you've grown so accustomed to being the only voice that you listen to that you can't hear anything else. I'm not sure what it is that causes us to not want to wake up in the distant country. But, but a lot of times, people's lives hit rock bottom before uh, in the distant country be, because it's so hard to wake up when you've been there for too long. But maybe you don't have to hit rock bottom. So that's my hope today, is that I can help you avoid hitting rock bottom. Hitting rock bottom in your relationship, hitting rock bottom in your finances, hitting rock bottom in your walk with God. Whatever, whatever that may be for you, my hope is that we can, we can learn to avoid that. Now, the son in the parable of the prodigal son, that's what we've been looking at the past couple weeks. The son experiences uh, this, this awakening but he doesn't experience it, the sudden awakening, until he hits rock bottom. And so we've been, we've been looking at this story that Jesus told, and we've seen how the younger of the two sons asked for all of his inheritance. And what does he do? He leaves and he goes to a distant country. He goes to a place that is outside of his father's house, outside of his father's blessing, outside of, of his father's ways. And he takes that inheritance and he squanders it all in wild, undisciplined living. And we're not sure how he did it or what he did it with, but... We know that it was all gone. And then as soon as it was all gone, a famine hits. And so tragedy now strikes him when he's at his lowest point of living, when he's squandered everything. His friends are all gone. He has nobody. And he's completely broken. And where does this guy wind up? He hits complete rock bottom and winds up in a pig pen taking care of pigs. And what you need to know in a Jewish audience or the Jewish people, this kid was Jewish. The Jews don't deal with pigs at all because they are unclean. They don't eat bacon. Feel bad for them. But they don't eat bacon. They don't deal with pigs. And this kid is in a pig pen with no food, no friends, no money. And all he wants to do is eat the slop from the pigs. And so when we look in, in the, those verses in, in Luke 15, 16, it tells us that's his situation. He's in the distant country. He's at rock bottom. But there's about to be an aha moment for him. He is about to experience in the next verse. It's so pivotal to his story. When we get to, to uh, Luke 5, 17, there, there is this moment. And without it, he would, he would have stayed in the pig pit. And so today we're going to be in, in, in Luke 5, and we're going to pick up at verse 17. If you need a Bible, we would love to give you a Bible. If you would just put your hand in the air, one of my service hosts will take care of that and get that to you. The verses will also be up on the screen. And so it starts with verse 17. It says, when he came to his senses, that's where it begins, right there. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. 
when he comes to his senses, that's what you call a sudden awakening, right? It's not pleasant. It's not something that's welcome. But here he is in the middle of a pig pen and he realizes, comes to his senses. And that's like the first ingredient of aha. And every aha story always begins the same way. It begins with leaving the father's house. And they always progress the same way, where you wind up in a distant country, broke and alone. That's always the way they progress. And after that, when aha truly begins, there are three basic ingredients that have to be present in order for you to have lasting change. The first thing is that sudden awakening. That's the A in the, in the acronym aha. The H is brutal honesty. The last one is immediate action. So A-H-A. And so this is, our, this is the first step, that sudden awakening. And the son comes to his senses and realizes that things have not gone how he envisioned them. Because you have to imagine that this young man, when he set out on his own to do things his own way, to live the life the way that he wanted to live it, right? Not, not following after the father, not following in his principles, living his life of undisciplined living. But when he set out to do that, he did not envision winding up in a pig pen. How many of us, when we've walked away from God or walked away from his ways, have ever imagined that we would hit rock bottom, that we would sever relationships, that we would not be able to pay our bills at the end of the month, or that we would lose that job? How many of us ever felt that way? Like when we left and said, I'm going to do it my way, we leave God's ways, how many of us ever envisioned tragedy at the end of doing it our own way? We don't. And I can't believe that this young man did either. But in order for aha to happen, there has to be this awakening. You have to realize that once you've left the father's house, it hasn't been all good. And sometimes this awakening is hard to miss. Like when you hit rock bottom. That's like a wide awake. It is a, I am at the bottom. If you're broken alone in the distant country, it's pretty hard to deny that things apart from the father aren't working for you. And sometimes it's at rock bottom when you have this sudden awakening. Your card is denied at the grocery store because you gambled all of your money away. You look around and realize that all of your friends have been driven away by your pride. Or your wife walks out on you after catching you again. Or your boss tells you you're fired because you forged receipts. Look, rock bottom, those are all rock bottom. And another way to describe the moment when you realize what's happened is then he or she came to their senses. When you realize that you are either headed towards that bottom or hit it, you'll come to your senses. But sudden awakening doesn't always happen at rock bottom. Sometimes it can happen earlier. And if you can, only if you can hear the alarm. If you can receive it when a friend that you trust tells you that you haven't been acting the same since you received that promotion, like in a bad way. Or if you, it can happen when you have the chance to tell your husband about the old high school friend that you've been Facebooking, right? And you take that to him instead of doing it privately. You say, hey, look, this, I've been chatting with him. It can happen when your kids ask why you didn't get to say goodnight last night. And it doesn't have to happen again. A sudden awakening can happen before rock bottom, but you have to be willing to look for it. You have to be willing to look for it because it's hard to wake up in that distant country. But if you're in the distant country or at rock bottom and you need a sudden awakening, or if you just got to the distant country, but you don't think you need a sudden awakening, let me help the Holy Spirit sound the alarm a little louder today. That's my hope. 
is that you will, through what we're talking about today, you will hear and you will be honest with yourself and look around your life and take inventory about where you are. There are a few things I know that we, we can look for, things that we can look for in our lives. The very first, first thing is you need to realize where you were. Right? The, 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 the first element of the sudden awakening is realizing that because the son comes to his senses and says, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? He realizes how much better it was in the father's house. And Satan will try to keep us from waking up in the distant country, won't he? He'll try to tell you and convince you that things were not better in the father's house. He will try to make you feel like, you know, you're good here. You're, you're fine. It was not that awesome there. He did it to the, to the children of Israel in Exodus when they had left Egypt. Now, granted, they had been slaves for hundreds of years. And now they're wandering in the wilderness. And because they are hungry, they said it was better in Egypt. At least we had fish there. They had bought into the lie of the enemy that it was better to be a slave and have food than to be free and be hungry. And really, they weren't hungry. They were eating manna every day. They were just sick of God's provision. They were tired of it because it wasn't what they wanted. Hmm. And so the enemy will lie to you and tell you that the father's house that you left was not that good. And that you're better off as a slave. But a true awakening happens when you realize where you were and you remember what you gave up to pursue life in the distant country. And this is the difficult part of being awakened. It's not pleasant. It's not fun. It's often very painful. And when aha happens, not only do you realize where you were, but you realize where you are now. You need to take inventory of where you are in your life, where you are in your relationships, financially, personally, physically. Where are you? I know that's a pretty simple point, but welcome to Simple Church. It's a simple thing to, to take inventory and say, where am, I am, where am I right now? Because the prodigal son says, see, when he comes to his senses, he says, here I am starving to death. Could you be that honest with yourself? Here I am starving to death. It's easy to maintain an illusion about the distant country that will end up being like your dream, the way you dreamed it all would be, right? I mean, what's not, what's, what's not uh, wonderful about a place where you rule and everything is your way and you are the king? You have to imagine that that's a, that's a great place to be, right? But when you get there, it's not. It's not. And you need to wake up and realize where you are. And one of the chief tools, um, tools that Satan will use to try to keep us asleep rather than waking up to God's will in our lives is the lie that things really aren't that bad where you are right now. We start to justify things and we get used to it or we come up with reasons for it. We rationalize living in the distant country. We rationalize the way that we are living now. We say, well, it's only for a little while that I'm going to do this. I'm going to be wild for a little while. I'm going to do it my way for a little while. It's this instant gratification thing. where We can't hang in with the Father for the long haul. But in order to truly have a sudden awakening, you need to realize where you are. You've left the Father's house. You're in the distant country. You're in a pig pen. You need to wake up. True awakening happens when you realize where you are, that you brought yourself there, and that you don't have to stay. The final natural part of this whole process of suddenly awakening is not only knowing where you came from and where you are now, 
but realize where you could be. When you realize where you came from, where you are, and where you could be, when God wakes you up in that distant country, it's never just to leave you there, right? It's never just to leave you in that spot. See, I have, I have some friends that, that are, are pastors in Whitehall, and uh, a church called City Reach, and they have a great slogan, and it speaks to moving forward. It says, it's okay to not be okay, but it's not okay to stay that way. Right? It's okay to not be okay, but it's not okay to stay that way. It's that realizing, hey, where I'm at is not okay, and that I can move to a better place, where you could be. And it's in that thought, it's in that thinking that you will move forward. When God wakes us up in the distant country, it's so that he can bring us back home. Romans 2, 4 speaks to the grace of God or the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. Because that's what turning around and going back home is. It's repentance, right? And we have, a, we have negative connotations for repentance. When we think repentance, we think, we think of a guy standing on a street corner holding a sign, a John 3.16 sign, and what does he say? Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand, right? And we go, that guy's weird. And so we have this, this negative association with the word repentance. But in our, in our Christian lives, repentance is something that God gives us by his goodness and his grace. It is the opportunity to turn from our ways it's a 180 degrees, an about face that we get to make. And when we make that turn, just like the son in the story, God is waiting there, watching for us, hoping for the moment that we will turn from our ways and turn back to him. We have to change the way that we think about repentance. Because today could be your opportunity to repent. You say, well, are you gonna, is that going to embarrass me? I don't know. I'm not sure what you need to repent of. But whatever it is that you need to turn from in order to turn back to the Father's house, I promise you it will be worth it. And Satan will try to stop this part of your awakening. He, he always wants to prevent aha from happening. So he'll do whatever he can to keep you in the distant country. But God wakes us up and wants to get his picture for what life could be like if we would allow him to bring us back home. And the son wakes up and realizes that things in his Father's house, even at the worst of times, even at the worst of times, are far better than anything in the distant country that he is currently experiencing. And he realized that even in servanthood, if he would go back and to be a servant in his father's house, at least his servants have food to spare. And so that's that sudden awakening to the truth of the gospel that he experiences. The father's house is open for you. King David wrote about being in God's house in Psalms 84.10, he said, Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. Think about that. You ever been to some place that was so amazing that that one day that you spent there was better than a thousand somewhere else? One day in your courts than thousands elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. David knew. The prodigal son knew. It is better in my father's house than where I am. And when you have that aha moment, when you are willing to be honest with yourself and look around your life and say, that's where I've been. This is where I am. And I could be somewhere else. When you allow those things in, you will suddenly awaken inside and it will propel you forward. My hope for you today that you are willing to be honest with yourself about those three things. Let's pray.
For those of you today, you would say, Aaron, you know what? I, I am in the Father's house, but it has been difficult for me. I've been tempted to walk away. I've been tempted to do things my own way. And I need to be reminded. I need to be reminded of what life is like in the Father's house. I need to remember that he wants me to come back home. Maybe I've started on my journey to the distant country and I need to come back home. That place that's far from God. If that's you and you've you've gone on that journey, maybe you've hit rock bottom already or maybe you're headed towards it. If that's you and you say, I need to repent, I need to turn back to him. If that's you and you're in this place, nobody's looking around, would you raise your hand and let me know that you're here so I can pray for you? Appreciate the honesty. There are those of you that say, you know what, I'm not, even, I'm not even aware of where I am. It's wonderful here. I'm king. But you want to be honest and say, you know what, I'm willing to be honest with myself. I'm willing to take the time if the Lord will reveal it to me. Maybe he needs to open my eyes so that I can see where I am. To show me where I'm headed. To show me my, where, how my attitudes are affecting me. My decisions are controlling or determining my destiny. And then I may be headed for rock bottom. If you're, if you're willing to say, Lord, open my eyes and, and show me. And this ought to be most of us here. Would you raise your hand and let me know that you're here? Appreciate you. And then there are those of you that, you know, you just need to realize where you can be. Maybe you've never been to the Father's house. Maybe you were there when you were younger. And you've been in the distant country so long, you don't even remember what it was like there. So let me tell you what it's like there. It's full of love. It's full of grace. It's full of provision. You say, well, what? so if I make this commitment today and I turn from my ways to the Father's ways, He's going to pay my bills. He's going to get me health care. He's going to give me a brand new car. I don't know. But I know that one of the promises that God gives us is peace. Peace that passes all understanding. You can't buy that. Joy. Strength to weather the storm of life. Hope. Happiness. The world counterfeits these things and tries to offer them to you. Certain that the the son in the distant country was having a great time squandering his wealth. But the end of it was destruction for him. Maybe that's where you're at. I don't know. Maybe for the first time you want to go to the father's house. You want to encounter that love that I'm talking about. If that's you, could you let me know that you're here by raising your hand? I'm going to pray. uh, Father, I, I just lift up everybody in this congregation. They're here today. God, I I just pray that that in the middle of our hustling and bustling around and all of our busyness and our TV shows and our activities and our work and our relationships, God, that it's easy to lose sight of what it's like to be in the Father's house. It's easy to turn to our own ways, to lean to our own understanding and follow after what we want. And Lord, we need to be reminded of the blessedness that comes from following after you, from being in your house things that are eternal, things that you cannot buy. Lord, remind us and strengthen our walk. 
Lord, there are others of us that, Lord, we, we just need to need you to open our eyes so that we can realize where we're at, realize how damaging we are being to our relationships, how we are jeopardizing our futures by our selfishness. Lord, I pray that today would be a day that we could humble ourselves. Say, show us. Holy Spirit, do a work in us. Lead us to repentance, and we will repent. We'll turn to the Father. We'll turn from our ways. We'll turn from that which will ultimately leave us broken and alone. And God, then I pray for all those that are here today that say, I've never been to the Father's house. I've never said yes to Jesus. I've never accepted that free gift of salvation. Maybe you have and you've walked away. You say, I want to accept that today. Lord, may they be embraced by your love in a way that they have never experienced before. May they come to understand how much you love them. May they experience your grace and your mercy and be filled with joy by those things. Let peace settle in their hearts about their eternity and the potential for the growth of their their personal lives their relationships as they follow you. God, just, this is a big thing. Wake us up. Wake me up. Do it in Jesus' name. Amen. I invite our service host to come at this time. Uh, It's an opportunity to give you tithes and offerings and uh, we appreciate all that. If you're a guest here today, you're under no obligation to give. We're just so glad that you're here. We hope that uh, you'll.